Welcome to Top Brew, the show that is best served fresh. Top Brew is currently sponsored by Thrasher Coffee. Visit thrashercoffee.com for small batch roasted to order coffees and use the coupon code FUSSYCOFFEE to save 10% on your order. I am Joe Darnell and joining me today is the illustrious craft coffee roaster, Mr. Eric Rauch. How are you doing? I'm doing great. A little tired. Just did about 24 hours of road driving in the last over the last week, trying to catch up on my sleep. But other than that, I'm doing well. Yeah, you went back up to Pennsylvania. I did. I did. Yeah, visiting my, the old homestead. No, the old homestead. My my grandma turned 90 on um, Friday, whatever day June 6th was. So we went up there to, to celebrate that. That's some good blood. That momentous occasion. That, that yeah, bodes well is. for your lifespan. Yeah, let's let, let's hope that that's that's that. That that's part of my gene pool. Yeah, my gene pool isn't so hot. <laughs> All the Darnells die off before they hit 70. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you have to break the cycle then. Uh, yeah. It's up to you. Uh, that's why I drink coffee every day. Excellent. <laughs> so on uh, this week of Top Brew, we are a day late. We're sorry about that again. Usually I like to have these recordings Wednesdays and go out Wednesdays. Things are happening. I have family vacation coming up. I was trying to record an extra episode last week. Then my guests had to reschedule last week. So the show that was supposed to go out last Wednesday went out Friday instead of Wednesday. I felt really bad about that. But that's just me. That's just my cantankerousness, my systems. I prefer to have top brews on Wednesday because it's a halfway point in the week. You know, you're not too hot about Mondays. Tuesdays, you're just getting fired up and you're trying to focus and get some good work done. Then Wednesdays, your awareness of the approaching weekend is growing. So then your your anticipation is growing. And I feel like fueling the fire, fueling the, 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 pl- the weekend plans with top brew coffee discussion. Because come the weekend, you don't want to think about coffee anymore because now you're thinking about other kinds of drinks and you're thinking about how you're going to relax on the weekend. So Saturday, you may not even drink the fourth, fifth cup of coffee because you're trying to relax and get in, the, in that extra cat nap. You know, that doesn't make any sense to me, Joe. Really? No. No. Okay. Maybe this is just the weekend my makes no difference on my coffee consumption. Really? Okay. But, but would you say you, do you feel like you work six or seven days a week or do you feel like you're working five? How do you, how do you frame it in your head? How do you interpret your work life? Um, I feel like I'm working six days a week, but I, I still, I'm aware that to my understanding, all of our listeners have told me that they only work five days a week. Well, I would say my routine is different on the weekend days. Unless there's roasting I need to do on the weekend or something, I, I, I typically don't don't roast on on Saturday or Sunday. But my routine on Saturdays and Sundays is different, and especially on Saturdays because that's our that's yeah our homework day to, on to Saturdays, stuff, yeah, Sundays. to get stuff done around the house and yeah, especially during the summer months, you know, mowing the grass, getting all the oh, mowing all the, the grass, uh, all those fun uh, yard work activities. But I would say six days a week, but but still, my routine is. Whatever day of the week it is, when I when I wake up, there's coffee soon to come. In Georgia, you have to drink coffee in, in preparation for mowing the grass because grass grows here like freakishly large. And it's a southern thing. We live in a greenhouse. It's always humid outside. Yeah. So the the grass will grow six or seven feet tall. Like, you know, the way that the people up north complain about, you know, 180 inches of snow. Yeah. We can complain about 180 inches of grass. Right. But we have, we have Bermuda grass. So it doesn't, it's not like it gets really tall. It just gets squishy. Yeah. It gets, it, it gets, it gets big. I, I don't know how else to describe it. But Oh, you trimmed the hedge today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your hedge of grass, your grass hedge. Well, this week we had something um, that came up just the other day for me, Eric, 
I uh, bought a bag of beans that I quite regret because I was in between freshly roasted bags of coffee from Thrasher. I, I don't know how this happened, but it was just, I guess we had more coffee to go around at home. I had uh, some guests, I had some company. We drank more coffee than my usual routine. I'm off of the membership cycle. Like if everything would just fall according to plan, my systems, like I was saying a minute ago, my systems, Eric, yeah. if everybody would just drink the same number of cups of coffee every day, like I do, and work on like the Like I have here on my spreadsheet, my yes. coffee consumption spreadsheet. The, that's on the to-do <laughs> list. It has to be done. Then I would not run out of my coffee and I'd always have the fresh stuff. It's not that simple though. In reality, we wind up running out of our, our coffees and we have to grab some backup supply. So what did I do? I think it was, I think it was last Thursday. It was about last Thursday that I turned on my iPhone and I just went to the Maps app and I searched coffee because I was hoping I'd find some other roaster nearby that I'd never heard of before. And I'd run out to them and I'd find something. Well, there is a coffee house nearby that has their own coffee roasts, but I've already tried them and I'm not crazy about them. Okay. I would say that they're all kind of on the dark side and not especially fresh. So I knew that my my best bet was to forego them and I might as well go to the nearest Starbucks which I knew was not a, a good idea. Oddly enough, my local grocery stores I, that I've checked, they didn't even have whole bean coffees. And that's really? very disconcerting. Yeah, yeah that, that, right. That is a little strange. I, I mean, like I've gone to the coffee sections and they didn't even have regular whole bean coffees. Like the only, with a couple exceptions, like I found decaf once and I found espresso beans, but I couldn't find regular coffee, you know, roasts. Huh. So, okay, with that in mind, I was like, okay, screw it. Uh, find me the nearest Starbucks. So I found the nearest Starbucks. I go in there. It was a Starbucks I've never been into before. Uh, I didn't even know it was there. Maybe they're not even there now. I mean. Weird, man. Maybe it was just something. Your iPhone made it appear for three hours. And I, I grab a bag of Ethiopian whole bean coffee. And I'm thinking to myself, I've had a good number of Ethiopian coffee bean roasts. Oh, Yeah. And even though I could not distinguish what made them all alike at first, I kind of had, I have a good impression now of what makes a good Ethiopian roast. I, I could not describe it very well, except to say that it's on the sweeter side of, of coffee beans. Typically, it's like you said, Ethiopian doesn't necessarily mean this is what it's always going to taste like. There's not a universal right. Palette, yeah, but typically Ethiopian um, is is going to be a natural process coffee. And it's it's going to taste a little bit more fruity. Um, a, a lot of uh, terms to describe it are, are mango, blueberry. Um, just just you're going to get a little bit more of the uh, of the coffee fruit flavor out of the drink than you would out of most other coffees. And so what I did is I grabbed that bag of beans, thinking, well, I know it's Starbucks, and I know their reputation. I've had tons of Pike Place over the years. I remember that in the old days. Before I had developed tastes, I would actually like their house roast. I guess it was called their house blend. Yeah, which is, that which, which is maddening to me. I mean, why? I mean, it's, it's, it's called your house blend, right? So yeah. why can't I walk in at any Starbucks and get the house blend? No. You, you can, walk no, in and you can you get can't. Pike Place. I, I, didn't, I didn't want Pike Place. I, right. don't, I want your house blend. Yes. The one that you called house blend that, 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 you, that you staked your claim on for years. It's you know, not in the house. It's not. It's, it's, so, it's so crazy. But it, yeah, in, in some places it still exists. So go figure. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe it used to exist and maybe it was just recently changed. I don't know. So I, I came home with Ethiopian and it said on the bag it was medium roast. I'm like, huh, yeah, right. Huh. And I knew better than to believe that. I opened up the bag and I was mostly convinced 
that what I was looking at, even though I don't have a trained eye, was on the dark side of medium dark. Okay. Not dark, but just on the dark side of medium dark. Were they shiny? Almost. Okay. I would say they were uh, mildly glistening. Okay. I just, I, I make myself a cup of coffee. My wife, I make her a cup of coffee and we go about our business and it leaves a bitter aftertaste, mm-hmm. It's which is something I've never had from Ethiopian before. Again, I haven't tried it all. I haven't had Seattle's Best and Dunkin' Donuts and, you know, all the other people in town, all their Ethiopian coffees, but I've never noticed better Ethiopian beans before. Well, because typically an Ethiopian is, is, is going to be more lightly roasted, you know, regardless of what Starbucks calls a medium. And we've talked about this before, you know, Starbucks has moved the, the, the roast spectrum so much towards dark that what, what they call a medium is still what I would call a dark. Or right. what I would call at least a medium dark. Okay. But here's the thing. Like, it just didn't live up at all to Ethiopian's reputation. And this is what really disappoints me, is that here we're trying to talk about different kinds of origins. We've talked about different origins for coffees before. And that you can kind of expect some consistency and, and variety at the same time within the Ethiopian selection. If you go for a good craft roasted bean, you know, and you try some different craft roasters, you'll notice unique differences, but also similarities among all the Ethiopian coffees, right? Which is swell. That's just, that's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a glazed donut everywhere would be similar, but different from different companies that produce donuts, right? So some will be better, but you know, in general, you'll expect a, a glazed donut to be essentially the same kind of experience. Yeah, I would, I would say maybe just take it a little bit broader and say donut, maybe not get so specific as, as glazed donut. Because even within Ethiopia, even within countries of origin, there's, there's a big difference in, in flavors that you can really? get out of, out of a, a particular elevation, a particular soil. You know, how much, how much sun does it get during the day? I mean, mm. there is, and, and then, and then of course, how they process it, you know, is yeah. it, is it because washed? Is it natural? It, is yeah, it, you can make it medium or you can make it dark. Yeah. Right. And then, and, yeah. And then, and then it gets sent to the roaster and the roaster takes over and they enhance different flavors based on how they roast it. Starbucks, obviously, I'm, I mean, I'm drinking this Ethiopian now and, in, and it's definitely a dark roast, what I would call a dark roast. And like you say, it does have a bitter aftertaste and that's not the coffee's fault. That's the, that, that's the roast. Yeah, and the I would roast, say that the roast does that. And what I would say is that the the familiar, true Ethiopian flavors that I'm accustomed to are just not there. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, this is not medium, but it's you know it's called medium, and it says it's Ethiopian, but I may as well had just picked out anything. I should have just grabbed the first bag of beans blind in Starbucks and had taken it, and just it didn't matter. Like, why try to extol? The, the source and what you should come to expect from the variety, if, if they're just going to, you know, basically ruin the ride, make everything same-ish. Yeah. You know? Part of it has to do with the fact that um, Starbucks is buying huge quantities. I mean, they're buying, they're buying whole fields. They're buying a, a farm's entire output. So there's going to be lots of variety even within that, that one crop. You're going to have parts of the field that taste better than others. Maybe this part of the field has better irrigation and the plants aren't sitting in, in standing water and they're, it just gets better, right? The berries off, off this plant ripen, they just get a better flavor in the cup. Well, you take those and you mix them with, with beans from the other part of the field and you throw them all together and then you roast them, you're going to get wide variance within that crop. So one of the ways to minimize those, those taste effects is, is to roast them out, is to take it up to a higher roast level where everything does kind of start to taste similar. 
even a Costa Rican and an Ethiopian and a Papua New Guinea. You, you, you take all these coffees and you roast them to the same general roast level, and they're all going to, they're all going to taste like dark roasted coffee. You'll, you'll be able to pick out, if you drink them side by side, you'll be able to pick out little characteristics of each one. But the uniqueness of each of those beans has essentially been roasted out. It's been covered up by the, by the intense heat that you've applied to it. And this is just a shame because if you're talking to a group of people that are unfamiliar with exceptional coffees and you're trying to explain to them why they should give craft coffee a try, you introduce them to a good roast of Ethiopian and over here, a good roast of Guatemalan, then they can tell that, oh, wow, that Ethiopian was something exceptional. Yeah. I get it. If you compared that side by side with the the large retail industry coffee, right? there's night and day difference. I found a really good coffee house many years ago, and I, I visited there. I checked out their coffees. I thought, okay, well, wow, they have four in the pot all the time. So that you, that you could have a decaf, a house roast, a dark roast, and then something else that, that was exotic. So I thought, oh, wow, interesting. Variety. They should all be different. I think I'll try one of them out. I, and I, I had one they called the French roast that day. And then, you know, beyond that, I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll buy a bag. And I took it home. And it was a completely different roast, but it basically tasted the same. This is craft roasting? This is... This is what you get? What? Why? Why do I care? I, I might as well just dr- you know drink the coffee from anything, right? So I, I was thinking like, how do I put this? I'm convinced that you find the right small batch coffee roaster and you try their beans. You'll never turn back. You'll realize how good coffee can be and what you've been missing out on. It's sort of like knowing the right pizza joint in New York City. You, you, you'll find the one or the ones and you'll just be convinced pizza is better in New York City than anywhere else. Yeah. And that does hit on the, the fact that it, it, that it is subjective. And that's why there, there are so many different roasters around, around the country and, and around the world. But do you feel like any of the big industry coffee roasting players can live up to any of the small batch, the better small batch roasters? Because I, I don't think they can. I haven't come across one that has. Um, and again, I'm not, I, we're, we're not trying to say all small batch coffee roasters. Good. No, all no. big coffee roasters. Bad. No, you know, no, no. We don't feel um, that way. No, it's think of it as, you know, something that that's mass produced and something that's, that's, that's not that, that, that's, that's craft produced. That's hand produced. That's handmade. Just because it's handmade doesn't mean that it's better. You can go somewhere and get a mass produced lamp. That's actually better. It's a, it, it's a better quality that can conceivably happen. But typically what we tag onto, onto handmade things is, is craftsmanship. So there's care and there's time and there's, there's somebody's attention that you're, that you're paying for with this, with this item. Again, that doesn't necessarily make it better, but it gives it more value because somebody's taking the time to do it themselves individually rather than 100 of these rolling off a line at the end of the day. It doesn't necessarily mean that mass-produced coffee is, is, is bad and craft-roasted coffee is good. But oftentimes that general principle, I think, is true because people are, are batch roasting or craft roasting smaller batches of coffee because they care. And they typically taste test along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not to say that mass produced coffee is, is done by people who don't care. They do. But they're, they're making coffee for a much wider audience. And, and, and I have a hard time believing that they're going to the lengths to you know, pay attention to every roast 
and taste testing. Oh, no, 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 no. I would say that they are. I would really? say, yeah, oh, yeah. I would say they can hit the exact uh, roast profile. <laughs> roast profile yeah. that, that they need to because they've got they've got the, the sophisticated equipment to do it. I have to do it by hand. When I get a little bit too hot on my roast, I got to bring the heat back. I, I mean, every one is different. Yeah. You know, no roast has ever been the same for me because I'm, I'm doing everything by hand. Mm. You know, adjusting the airflow, adjusting the uh, um, the heat, the temperature. They have electronics that do this. They can dump in one thousand and one pounds of beans because we've done that before and we know exactly how to hit that profile, the machine just takes over. It'll hit that exact roast profile. It's a completely controlled environment, completely computerized system. And then yeah. they know the weight down to a T. They know the timing down to a T. When you, They know the pressure inside of the, the roaster. They right. know it all. You're right. And if there is a flaw in the system, they know about it pretty much instantly. Right. And the primary variable there is the coffee itself. You know, what are we dumping into the machine? Um, but we're going we're gonna to give... Whatever we dump into that machine, say we dump a Colombian in there, and and we we know we roast a Colombian this way with profile, you know, four seven two nine. You just type that up and and it roasts it. Well, maybe that that year's crop was a little bit different than last year's crop, so it's going to be the same roast, but it might taste a little bit different than it did last year because of the bean. But for the most part, given the long view of things, it's going to be a very consistent coffee. So when when Starbucks says, "Here's our Ethiopian." They're, they're going to roast it in such a way that, that their Ethiopian always tastes the same. They're trying to minimize, again, that variability of the bean itself. Mm. They're, they're trying to take that out of the equation. And it has worked because uh, going through this entire bag of Starbucks Ethiopian, I've noticed that the taste is relatively exactly the same. Back to your point of you're going into Starbucks because that's something you do rarely. So you go in there as, as someone who's been acclimated to drinking lighter roasted coffees, to medium roasted, to, you know, to the... To the, to the spectrum of, of different coffees. You've, you've been exposed to all sorts of different origins. Most of the, of the Starbucks customers, though, have been accustomed to Starbucks. They expect a Starbucks coffee, whether it's from Ethiopia, Colombia, Brazil, whatever, wherever it's from, they expect it to taste kind of like this. Hmm. It, it has that, that Starbucks, which some people call Charbucks. Yeah. It has that unique taste to it. Mm. Even their blonde roast, even, even even the Starbucks blonde roast, which they mm. say is, is a lighter roast, is still dark. It's still a darker. Mm. It's going to have a little bit of a bitter aftertaste. But that's what Starbucks customers have come to expect. That's what they want. That's what Starbucks gives them. Mm. So that's kind of what they're aiming for, not for you as somebody who's, it sounds bad, but but you've you've really been pampered in 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 the coffee that 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 you've been given. You've been educated on on what coffee can do, and you take an Ethiopian and you and you roast it. Long or uh, less than this one has, and you're going to taste amazing things in that bean. Right. But when you go beyond that that point and you roast it darker to what would be a a signature Starbucks taste, it loses it. It uh, all that stuff gets masked. And yet we pay more for our cups of Starbucks coffee than we do for a lot of the craft roasted coffee. But you know you like what you like. If mm. it's not for you, if a true medium roast is not to your standards, try it again. Try it again. Try it again. If you tried it five times and you're like, I'm, st- I just still, I can't do this. Then, then okay, that's fine. I mean, I mean, you you can at least say, look, I've tried Brussels sprouts. I've tried them. I've tried. I've tried them. I still don't like them. Okay, well, that's that's okay. You know, you <laughs> not everybody has to eat Brussels yeah. sprouts. Not everybody has to like medium roasted coffee. Yeah, just like you know, most people, the first time they try coffee at all, they're probably not sold on it. They they probably had to warm up to it in the first place. Most people, at least in yeah, the yeah, it's. Now. I mean, it's 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 all an educational yeah, process. Right. Um, I mean, I, I I didn't like pizza. At first, when I was a kid. That's crazy. That's, I know. That doesn't make any sense. All I liked was macaroni and cheese, blocks of cheese, applesauce, and like McDonald's basic hamburgers when I was four years old. That was <laughs> wow. like all I liked. Wow. 
I didn't even like bologna. Okay, well, in a minute, we want to talk about Seattle's best because there's a story to tell there. But first, I want to get to our sponsor, which is Thrasher Coffee. And I want to say thanks again to them for supporting Top Brew's podcast and our website. Thrasher is the craft roaster from the heart of Dixie. They specialize in fresh roasts available at their online store that are made to order and delivered to your door within 48 hours of every purchase. As someone that receives a freshly roasted order every two weeks, I personally can vouch for their craftsmanship and my satisfaction with their delicious coffee roasts. Thrasher has a medium, a medium dark, and a dark roast, as well as a specialty blend of medium dark and dark coffee beans. My favorite is their Liberty Roast because it is made just the way I like all coffees to be. It's exotic and robust with hearty notes of cocoa. And just a few clicks away on thrashercoffee.com, you get your favorite varieties by the pound and shipped to you at their peak freshness. If you want to get their handcrafted roasts a try, you can order by the pound or go ahead and sign up for a membership of the coffee plan. They'll send you whatever quantity of coffee that you want every two or four weeks. And premium online Thrasher Coffee does not come at the premium price of other craft roasters. All their roasts are $17.99 plus $5 shipping on the total order with a coffee plan. And unlike most small batch roasters coffee by the bag, Thrasher always gives you a true 16-ounce pound of coffee rather than the so-called 12-ounce pound that other roasters pack. And that is 25% more beans with every one of your bucks. And if you sign up now for a membership, they will send you a free French press. This is Eric's favorite coffee maker. If you like to know how we've made it with our brewing recipe at Top Brew, we discussed uh, French presses on episode 13 of Top Brew, and that includes our brewing tips so that it'll make this tool a great tool for anyone's brewing ritual. Thrasher always treats you like the beautiful coffee lover that you are, and Top Brew listeners get 10% off of their purchase with the coupon code FUSSYCOFFEE at checkout. So my thanks again to Thrasher Coffee for supporting Top Brew, which is this podcast and our website. So Eric, you have been thinking about this for years now. You had a special fondness for Seattle's best. And then it was, I guess, five, six years ago or so that Starbucks actually bought the brand and they they redirected, changed their roasts and uh, changed their business model, so to speak. And Seattle's best is not what it used to be. I remember because back in the day, uh, before we became the nerdy coffee drinkers that we are now, we were just more or less interested in what we got from Seattle's Best. We were using it at the office, and it was because of your conviction coming from, you know, for a little while, you lived on the West Coast, right? Mm-hmm. right. Okay, and, and you you became interested in Seattle's Best because you you saw the homeland. You saw where it came from, right? Yeah, they were my introduction to, I guess you'd say specialty coffee, but but th- it was my introduction to to fresh, local, roasted coffee. It was in 92 when I first moved out to Seattle. I'd been a coffee drinker for, for years before that. It wasn't, it wasn't like I had never had coffee before, but I'd never had specialty coffee or coffee that was prepared with uh, care and thought in mind. My first experience with Seattle's Best was, was just, I guess, mind-blowing. I was like, wow, this is good. This is really good. When I went home to visit my parents, this is when you could when you could still carry stuff on an, onto an airplane. I don't even know if you can if you can carry coffee beans on a plane anymore. You might use them as spitballs. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Got to be wary. Yeah, I uh, so I I got them I got them hooked on it. And at all the local grocery stores, you could go you could go in and they would have Seattle's best beans in these giant plastic bins, and you just pull out the lever at the bottom, you'd fill your bag with however much you wanted, and then you'd go pay for it. And, <laughs> and I don't know how often those those bins were filled. Yeah. But it it was never stale. Um, so wow. 
they were roasting enough and they were, I don't know how they would deliver it, but they were, and, and they weren't like they were airtight bins or anything. And there was a significant difference between those and, and what you could get in the bag. Mm. So those, those just seemed fresh or those seemed better. It was an elevated coffee experience. It was just, it was, a, it was like taking the coffee that I was used to, to the next level. And it made me think about, wow, what, you know, how good can coffee be? So for a while, you were a loyal customer, even when you were taken away from the craft roaster, you know, coffee houses of Seattle's best, because you still wanted them by the bag here in Georgia. Well, right. Um, so when I got when I got out of the Navy and I came back, I came back to Pennsylvania. You couldn't find I couldn't find Seattle's best. I just I just couldn't really get it anymore. So I still had a, a, a few contacts over on the West Coast, and I'd have them send them to me every once in a while. But then it started appearing in stores in my area and started buying it. It wasn't as good. But, but for the was, most part, you could tell okay. it was still Seattle's best. Yeah. And then, I don't, I don't remember exactly when it was, but Starbucks bought Seattle's best. I mean, think of that name, Seattle's best. I mean, that's a pretty bold claim, right? You know, Seattle, the coffee the coffee capital of the country, really. And then you're saying that we're Seattle's best. And and I think I think they were. In a lot of ways, they were they were kind of the only game in town. There were, there were other little, little roasters, but as far as a, a monopoly on the town, Seattle's best had it. Well, Starbucks was there, and they were and they were growing in the area, but they were they were focusing more on the rest of the country. They were getting big elsewhere, mm. and then and then they brought their money that they were making everywhere else back to Seattle and bought out the big Seattle's best company. So it was their competition, right? So they yeah. So they bought them out. Well, they didn't turn it into a Starbucks plant. They just left it alone. Mm. This is just another another wing of our coffee operation, but the coffee in the bags started getting lower and lower quality. And if you would see the price on the shelf, it, it started to drop. And this was, you know, 10, 12 years ago. It was, it was always in the 10 to $12 range. So it was, it was competing directly with the price of, of Starbucks. Starbucks became more expensive and Seattle's best became less expensive. It, it's because it was an inferior product. I'm not sure what they, what they started doing to it. What I think happened is they, they took Seattle's best. They turned it into their like lower price competitor. Hmm. If you go in to any grocery store, you see, you, you'll see Starbucks there on the, on the top shelf, the, the top two or three shelves, and then Seattle's best right below it. And it's, it's going to be like 3 or $4 less a bag. And that way they control more of the space Absolutely. on the shelves. Right, right. So Interesting. It's, it's they, they couldn't have done that if they had just expanded the line with Starbucks because it would influence the Starbucks brand. So it'd be better to buy and own your competitor. Right. So that you right. own more of the real estate up on the grocery retail store aisle shelves. And then, and then I think what, what they're doing is they're giving Seattle's best the coffee to roast that they don't want. <laughs> yeah. That Starbucks says, well, this doesn't meet our exacting standards. So here, send this down to the Seattle's best roastery and let them roast it. So have you been back to Seattle? Have you talked with your friends out West to see what no, they I, make of the I situation really, now? I really haven't. And, and, you know, they're serving whatever Seattle's best is. Oh. So it's still, it's still the lower, the lower quality coffee, mm. you know, good for them. I mean, they got a big payday. They got bought out by the, by the corporate giant, but, um, <laughs> but they eventually Starbucks took their product and made it a, a substandard thing, which, which previously was a, a much, much better product. Hmm. Interesting. In, in my opinion. One last question I had for you, because we've been talking about the what I think of as the big coffee industry, coffee roasters. I don't want to make it a cross, you know, comparison like, you know, here we have the the small artisan, small batch roasters in the ring up against the Starbucks, you know, in the ring. And, you know, w- will the underdog win the day? It doesn't actually work that way. There isn't that kind of competition in the world in the coffee industry. You know, Starbucks may feel like their their strongest competitor is Dunkin' Donuts in America. I don't know. And maybe they're duking it out in the mm-hmm. ring. But we don't perceive it that way. And from my experience with you and the team from Thrasher, I've seen that 
y'all are just trying to make the best product you can with an awareness of the, the finest standards in the coffee roasting industry. You want to offer the best experience and the best uh, quality product. And I'm convinced of this. Like I, I've tried uh, blue bottle coffee. I've tried Tonks coffee. I've tried Madcap. I've gone down the list of a variety of small batch roasters and all of them are really swell. And so is Thrasher. So can you describe for our listeners what happened recently when someone got an unboxing experience, <laughs> unboxing experience with Thrasher Coffee? Because that's something that we haven't talked about. We haven't really addressed for Thrasher before. What does the customer actually get if, they've, if they're not familiar with craft coffee? What, what should they expect when they get their package in the mail? Yeah, and this person that you're thinking about got a box from us and and he said that he was you know not only impressed with the product but impressed with the presentation and and that's and that's one of the things that we really try to do there, yeah exactly there, the internet is full of people who love a good unboxing video of a tech product of a smartphone yeah. of the latest computer there's this whole huge culture among the the tech geekery people that love to see an Apple unboxing product right. video like right. there were a bunch for the Apple watch not very long ago and your customer likened it to uh, the unboxing of an Apple product. Yeah, which is <laughs> which is very kind. Um, it's it's certainly not that good because Apple has a whole team working on their unboxing. They know, really do. I mean, it's it, actually it's, it's art. It is in the case of like the Apple Watch box, the, the way that it works. There's a uh, there's a box that sits inside of a, the top box. So if you lift up the top box, it'll, it'll it acts as a lid, and the bottom part will slide out beneath it. They engineered the snugness of the two boxes within each other so that when you lift the top one, it would very gently ease air in and slowly release the bottom box out with just the right amount of pull so that it would feel smooth and like a high quality experience. Yeah. They went to the nth degree and that that is what an Apple unboxing is actually like right. and why so, they're so well known. Yeah, To those of you who haven't open a thrasher box, please don't expect that, that level no. of precision. It's, it um, doesn't come in a white box either. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, I mean, it comes in a, in a typical brown cardboard box. It does go through the mail, but when you open it, we want it, we want the, the experience, uh, not just the, Hey, here's some coffee and here's some, some packaging peanuts, you know, search around your, your, your coffee's in there somewhere. Yeah. We just, we want, we want to make it a memorable experience. So we try and, and, and put little gifts in there. Um, sometimes we'll throw uh, little bars of biscotti in there. Uh, right now, we're giving away travel mugs to people who who sign up for one of our subscription plans, and sometimes we just give them to people who just order coffee. We just try and keep it keep it kind of fun. We want the box opening to be memorable too. And what he was saying was that they could smell <laughs> the coffee roast before oh, yeah. they opened the box. Yeah, and that that is so exciting to me. That mm -hmm. is one of the best things I like about craft roasted coffee is that when you get this package, it has. Uh, bottled up the the aroma of the fresh roast right and the bag is kind of swollen with the extra air that has been releasing over the last you know 40 40 24 to 48 hours or whatever and so all of it is there all of it is bottled and yeah. it smells oh so good and that's specifically because we don't we don't flush our bags with nitrogen all of the of the of the bigger coffee chains are going to they're, they're going to put nitrogen in their bags before they package it up because it what it does is, is it kind of it kind of puts the beans to sleep um so they don't they don't degas while they're while they're in transit to you ours do but and when you get it you're smelling the coffee aroma come off because because the beans are doing what the beans naturally do but they haven't been flushed with nitrogen so you're 
you can be guaranteed you're getting fresh coffee because you can smell it. You can smell it immediately. If I have a bunch of boxes in my car that I take to the post office, it, it like I, I get in my car and it like yeah, it's it's a uh, it's pretty all right in here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're we're just trying to make make the best out of the whole experience. Not not just the coffee, not just not just how we present ourselves, but but how we make the customer feel when they get the box. We want we want every Thrasher box to be like a like a little Christmas present. Mm. And it's working effectively on me. I would like to be more involved in that kind of thing as a, just a designer. I really enjoy mm-hmm. the experience you have with a good unboxing. Uh, it's the first impression, the last impression as right. well. I, I think that y'all have nailed it today for what you what your intentions are. And the best quality about it is the aroma that comes out of the box. Mm-hmm. Everywhere that box goes, until you open the bag, it is it is. <laughs> It's better in my mind. It is better than the smell of a freshly delivered pizza. Like it, it just it's just that good. It bests even the smell of a freshly uh, brewed pot of coffee. Mm -hmm. It even outdoes that. Kudos to what y'all are doing because it it almost feels like wizardry. (laughs) That particular quality is just out of this world. Thank you. Well, okay, we got to wrap it up for today. So thank you, Erica. I appreciate your thoughts concerning big coffee roasters. And we're not trying to be nasty. As you can hear, we we still drink Starbucks coffee, and I will always continue to give them a the benefit of the doubt. And if I have to, I will drink from some Starbucks, but uh, that's that's a rare occasion, uh, a less and lesser occasion these days. The specialty coffee industry as a whole really owes a big debt to Starbucks. I mean, they they, they paved the way. Yeah, it's just about my tastes. Right. I'm, I'm not trying to speak for right. everybody else. But but Thrasher wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Starbucks because it, it when, True that. when yeah. there's somebody out there establishing the baseline, there's always going to be somebody else that comes along and says, well, we can do better than that. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's what's happening. The special the specialty coffee industry as a whole really does compare itself to Starbucks. They are the median now. Even though even though Starbucks, like you said, they compare themselves more to, to Dunkin' Donuts and and they're in that fast food realm. We're really not competing. That's why a Starbucks and a and a specialty coffee roaster can exist on the same block because they're not competing for the same customers. Mm. But again, if if it wasn't for Starbucks raising the awareness, raising the the, the, interest, the standard, yeah, the making interest it a bigger level part and, of our culture and getting coffee to a, a new level, raising the ritual. Yeah, we wouldn't be in existence. So, so we do owe them a certain debt of gratitude. Well, this is going to complete episode twenty of Top Brew. You can find our show notes for this week's episode at topbrew.fm/podcast/twenty or in your podcast listening app of choice. If you would like to keep up to date, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at TopBrewFM, and you can find me there too. I'm underscore Joe Darnell. You can also find Top Brew on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TopBrewFM. If you have a topic that you would like us to discuss on Top Brew, send them in with hashtag AskTopBrew in your message, and we'll make sure that we talk about that in one of the next coming week's episodes. Lastly, I want to say thanks again to Thrasher Coffee. This show is made possible by the support of our sponsors. So enjoy Thrasher Coffee and let them know that you heard about them from us. Use the coupon code FUSSYCOFFEE at checkout to get 10% off of your order. I am Joe Darnell, and you have been listening to the Top Brew Podcast. Podcast.